What's up, everybody? Vertical Minds Therapy Podcast with Evangeline Willrod. Hey, everybody, really quick. This is Evangeline. Her last name is Willrod. W-I-L-L-R-O-D-T. <laughs> if you keep pronouncing the T, I've been effing up people's names all week. It's just getting me in trouble left and right. Uh, Christy, shout out. My bad. Said your, I said your former name. I don't even know if it was your maiden name or what, but big, big uh, apology there to the Christy, um, which, you know, got to say it publicly. I, I don't want to mess people's names up. I'm just one, one ignorant jock up here in the mountains doing his best to get stuff out into the world and, and make a difference. So we'll figure this stuff out as we keep keep rolling along here. But today we have a fun show. <laughs> I, was, I, I did not know how to say You corrected me on your name once before, Evangeline, and I it did not stick. And then I kept wondering, like, well, how in the hell do you say your last name? And then you, thank you. The T is gone. I will never write the T again in your name. So I appreciate that. Hey, here's a question I have for you. I actually don't know this. What what what's your maiden name? Jelnik. Jelnik. Yes, it's a uh, Czechoslovakian. G or J? G. J. J. So it would have been pronounced Jelnik. Jelnik. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're just all nothing but really weird names okay so uh, <laughs> okay scott <laughs> scott jones hey dude i'd rather have your do you know if you look up scott jones you're never ever going to find me in a million years there's one dude that's named scott jones who's a pretty good entrepreneur semi-famous dude but yeah it's kind of a bummer anyway so today we're going to talk about a couple things so we have our social media is it is our instagram vertical minds or vertical minds therapy I, I can't remember right off the top of my head it's at vertical minds therapy yeah, so we're just getting rolling on all the socials, guys. So if you're listening, uh, we'd rather have long conversations than go post all day. But we'll be on there and just like sharing concepts and and things that we think are important in, in the world of, you know, competition, mental health, mindset, all that stuff. So we're going to talk about one of the the first posts that you put up there. I kind of talked about goal setting and how to, how to organize those those goals and stuff. And then towards the end today, we'll talk. We got some feedback from listeners on our first episode on uh, some questions from parents on how to, to deal with kids and competition and mindset and stuff. So we have a question from a listener that we will go over towards the end. And my role in all this is just to kind of be curious with Evangeline. She's, she's the therapist. She's the one that's been doing this day to day. I have tons of experience with athletes and like the psychology of performance and sport. And I've taken courses on that, but, but the whole idea of this is like when it gets outside of my scope, what what are some of the answers to those questions? And uh, I generally don't don't answer those in sessions with cl- with clients and athletes. And uh, I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about here either. I'm just very curious, and uh, we're going to just kind of dive into these concepts. So I don't know, Evangeline. Before we hop in, is there is there anything from this project? Because I we told people that we'd give give updates on like progress on on the project. Um, in your eyes, like what, what, what have been some of the challenges since last time we talked from starting this business and, uh, and I'll tell you some of mine and then we'll dive into the, to the meat of the stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's been awesome going live with the first week of the podcast and social media and stuff. I got a lot of just awesome feedback from parent from parents in particular who are trying hard to raise resilient kids who are who are trying to um, chase big efforts in their own personal lives and then they want that that discipline that direction to translate to their kids and I 
think that was really cool for me to see because that's something I care so much about as a parent. I know you do. And it's just already making me feel this sense of community with parents who want to raise their kids to be able to um, overcome hard things and do hard things. Um, so really it's been exciting. It's, it's tricky. My life right now is tricky. I'm, I'm squeezing this stuff in at the, in the wee hours of the morning and the late at night. And, um, and I'm just feel so passionate about it. And so I'm, I'm loving it. It's just, it's really fun to create something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And we were talking the other day, just on a personal call, like, you know, I've, I've done, I've created a lot of different things in my, in my entrepreneurial life. And I love starting stuff is the, is the best part. It's probably what I'm best at. Like once we get into the weeds and like we're managing people and stuff, we'll, we'll probably have to bring people on. It's just not, it's not where I'm strong. And I'll tell you that day one. And I'll tell you that in like two years from now too. But I love seeing like the excitement that you have and the energy and, and uh, you know, I think when people are looking to go do things that they're passionate about, it's kind of like, it's kind of like meeting your, your soulmate almost not, not working together, but working on a project because you always hear people talk about dating and how much work it is. And they just don't want to spend the time. And I've always told friends and family and, and young family members that are dating and going through that things like, you're not going to think about the time that you're spending with them. You're going to be so happy with just hanging out that you're not going to like manage your time the same way you used to. And I think when you start a new project like this, it's very similar. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of getting up early and fitting in, in between clients and work, you know, kids stuff, but it's such a rewarding process and we haven't even made a dollar yet. We've spent a lot of money. We haven't made a dollar yet, you know? Um, but just understanding that that'll come. And I, I wanted, I wanted to be able to go slow in the beginning. So we knew what we were doing. Um, I wanted to have a podcast cause I think just people are going to hire practitioners on vertical minds based on trusting us and trusting who we put out into the world. So we wanted to have all this stuff kind of lined up before we did. So we got the podcast, we got all the socials, we're bringing on practitioners right now and uh, we probably won't start hitting it hard as far as like really trying to find clients and trying to find people to help until we have, you know, three or four people on the site that we can give people uh, a choice between. So that's where my head is. I'm just excited to see it coming together. We have, we have another uh, mindset coach coming on Laura Prescott, who will probably bring on the interview, which is exciting. Uh, Tuesdays we're doing long form interview style stuff like what we're doing now. Fridays is going to be the, the five minute Fridays with Evangeline, just kind of sharing new concepts and tactics that'll help you level up like your mental game overall, and just give you different things to think about when it comes to how you do your day to day. So that's just kind of the update on everything that's going on. It's been, it's been really fun so far. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive in a little bit and, and give people some things to think about. Why don't you set it up a little bit with the uh, with the post and what the essence of that post was, and then we'll kind of dive into you know what you were really trying to get people to think about. Yeah, so I just posted our first reel on our um, at Vertical Minds Therapy on Instagram, and basically it said setting a goal is easy, overcoming the obstacles is the hard part. Um, and that's really simple. It's a really simple way of saying something that's really complex. As we're we're headed into the into February in the next week here, and we've got 
we're in the month of New Year's resolutions. And that's something that we hear a lot about and see a lot about on social media. People setting goals. In that excitement of setting goals, people are imagining who they want to be, how they could make their life better. They're really focusing on like the outcome of what would make them healthier, what would make them happier. They're envisioning themselves in a new way. And, and that excitement is what people feel when they make a resolution, when they sign up for a marathon, when they sign up for a training that they've always wanted to do, when they join a challenge, right? They're feeling all this excitement and anticipation. And then what happens, right? That's kind of the part I want to talk about. What happens that makes people not be able to fulfill those goals? What are the obstacles? Why is it so important for us to look at those obstacles? Um, and that's the part I want to talk about more today, because I think people talk a lot about how important setting a goal is and then not talking about how maybe they've set this goal 10 times. Maybe they've set this goal every year. Um, and, and what's happening between the goal and, and actually reaching the goal. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I want to go today. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so I can set it up a little bit differently from how we, I work with. Uh, and we'll talk about endurance athletes, but it it spans for for team sport athletes, power athletes, everything that you can imagine. Like, we almost always reverse engineer training based on the A goal. So, if it's a season for like a basketball player, the the A goal for those guys is to be at peak in peak condition about two thirds through the season. So, you've got to do some things to plan for that. If it's an endurance athlete, like if I was working with you right now, Evangeline, and you're running a 50 mile, a 50 mile race in July, we'll work backwards and say, okay, what are the benchmarks that we need to meet meet in June and May this week? And we work forward. And then my job as a coach is, you know, when things don't work out perfectly or you get sick or you got to travel for work or something like that to let you know, like what is reasonable in your journey to that goal to miss to calm you down when you do miss those things or when things aren't going well, but to customize things so that we're still moving towards, towards that goal. I would assume a lot of that is similar. I I, I would assume for like, especially the new year's resolutions, and you're going to correct me on all this stuff if I'm wrong, like new, a new year's resolution to lose weight. Cause that's probably the most common resolution for people. Right. Um, I think hopping on the scale every day, that's the wrong metric. You know, we're looking for lifestyle and behavioral change when we're talking about these big resolutions and, and, oh my gosh, if you're doing that every day, you're getting frustrated every day because you're not going to see the science is, is pretty clear on, on how long this stuff takes, you know? Um, so then that creates frustration, which creates stress, which creates, you know, a back, you know, going back to some bad habits, you know, stressy, whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of how I, I would frame a lot of these things. But what's going on with people when these things happen? How, what, what are some better tactics? What are better ways to approach resolutions or just general goals um, based on that post, you know? Yeah. So one, one of the first things is I cannot be a different person. You cannot be a different person and have the environment stay the same the habits stay the same. It's just not possible. One change usually requires many different changes. 
And often we aren't prepared for what those other changes are. Like we can envision like, okay, if I lose some weight and I get more toned, I'm going to feel more comfortable in my clothes. I'm going to feel more energetic. I'm going to feel um, more positive self-image, body image. We can imagine that, but we can't understand that, that there might be sacrifices that go along with those changes. And we don't know what that part is going to feel like. We can imagine the good, but we don't understand all the hard that change requires. It's very hard for our brains to understand the way something's going to feel that we've never felt before, especially in goals that are like things we've never experienced before, right? Like, like training for an ultra marathon in a distance we've never run before. You can't, you don't know what miles 20 to 30 are really going to feel like, or you don't know what miles 80 to hundred are really going to feel like. Um, but you have to be prepared to overcome those obstacles. Right. And that translates to any goal. Um, I stop, can, I, so, can I ask a question right there real quick? Mm, and, I, please. And, and if it gets annoyed, if I, cause you know, I always think if I'm listening to you and I have this question, then people who are listening might have the same question. So I want, if you're in like a flow or something, like say, no, I want to finish this thought. But, but one thing I was thinking when you're talking about that, is there, what's the psychology about like success of, or fear, uh, fear of success for a goal? So an example I have two examples. So one was one of these, one of the first clients I ever started working with. He, he was a weight loss client. He wanted, he needed and wanted to lose about 60 to 80 pounds. After about four months, he was about 50 pounds down. He's feeling great. And something happened at home. This is one of those, what you're saying, you, you can imagine the good, but you can't imagine the, the hard things that are going to come up. Well, his wife, this is like 15 years ago. His wife thought that he was getting in shape because he's having a midlife crisis and that he was going to get in shape to go cheat on her. I mean, that's basically the blunt way of saying it. So she started, this is crazy. This is a crazy story. So she started putting like hostess cakes and like, like food that was really bad for you that that he struggled with in the past. She started putting around the house, just leaving it out. And he knew it. And like, we got to a certain point and he had actually stopped working with me because he had to go address some of these issues with, with his wife. And he would have never, I don't think he would have ever imagined that that was something that would come up. Um, so you have that kind of aspect, but then the other one is for the person who, and we're using weight loss because it's the easy one for people to understand. The person who's 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight has been for the last 20 years, starts down this journey, starts to see success, but gets kind of scared of the unknown, if you will. Um, I'm kind of curious on the psychology around that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I really, that's a really helpful story actually, because the way that the way that this plays out in most people's life is not as extreme as the whole you know the wife leaving the hostess treats out all over but families absolutely are a part of our system enabling us to stay the same like our environment is created by us and with us and it is fairly stationary and we tend to not understand the way that us staying the same benefits certain people. Um, and there's so many examples of this, but you know, I, I always like to go to a personal example because 
um, I've, I've been through all this myself, but like when I started to say, I'm going to go run for an hour every day, right. That required my husband being on duty with the kids that required help with wake, you know, being with the kids when they wake up at night that required change from him as my confidence grew and my feel good around exercise grew that made me want to sign up for races, which also required more involvement from him and more support from him. That can take an adjustment period. All of those things can take an adjustment period. Now, if you have a partner who doesn't want to have that kind of lifestyle themselves or is scared of changing their own lifestyle as you're changing yours, you fight this happens all the time where you have one partner actively resisting the other partner's change. And I hear this all the time, all the time. Like it's something that we don't talk about enough because, because all of those environmental factors are huge obstacles in the day to day, right? When we, we don't imagine that when we look at our year and we look at our goals, but they do make a really big impact on whether or not we actually get out the door to work out. And it's not just for people with kids. It's for people who are like, but I thought we're going to watch our favorite show tonight. Where are you going? Like, really? You have to run right now? Or gosh, it's, you know, it's so early. It's cold outside. Like, can't you just stay in bed longer? Um, There's all these little ways that can almost seem um, loving, but, but it can can actually really be a form of codependence where that partner is expecting you to meet their needs, to make them happy. And you prioritizing yourself isn't making them happy. Yeah. And there's a conflict and it's a real part of change for every, for every person that's in a, in a partnership or in a family. I love that. Hey, one second, uh, live podcast, this dog has to go outside. One second. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Go outside. All right, I'm back. So... Oh my gosh, me and Evangeline live the same life. She's drinking the fizzy drinks like I'm drinking all day. It's hilarious. And I know they're not that great for your certain things, but it's better than uh small turners. No, I, it's so funny. Like every little every little uh side conversation off of some of these big concepts is is another like two hour conversation in my head. It's crazy how deep you can go in this stuff. Um, so I think when we're doing these these shows for people, um we'll just try to remember exactly what, we, what some of these rabbit holes were and come back to them for you guys. Cause we're going to be, this is, these are conversations and we're just going to kind of go bounce around for y'all. Um, so I, one of the things, cause how we know each other is from becoming ultra and it's, you know, it's ultra running platform, coaching platform. And one of the first things I always ask people on that, on that podcast, when they first get started is, is your support system there? Do you have the support of the people that are closest to you in your life? And if you don't, man, I, it's just, you have to ask that question of yourself before you dive into these things, because it's, it comes up a lot. That codependence that you're talking about, um, that feels, it feels loving, but it's really, I don't know if it's manipulative or what it is like, you're the expert on that, but it's, it does not line up with your goals, but 
you got to get, you got to create your environment before you, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you from a goal setting standpoint. I think a lot of people say January 1st, losing weight. The way I'm going to lose weight is eat less, move more. That's one-on-one, right? But they haven't, they haven't improved their environment. They haven't talked to their spouse, maybe saying, Hey, these are the things I need out of the house. Because if my micro environment lends to me eating, you know, a pint of ice cream tonight, because it's in the fridge, uh, I need to control that environment a little bit better. Is that, is setting up your environment part of goal setting that you're talking about? Oh, it's so, it is so important. And, and knowing that, knowing that just like we don't always anticipate what the hard parts of our goal is going to be, our, sometimes our partners don't anticipate it either. And sometimes our family doesn't anticipate it either. Um, and, and knowing that it's still very important, like going back to what did I want to get out of this process? How is this going to affect my life and change my life? Why is this so important to me? And, and how can I navigate these hard things knowing how important it is like your your health your fitness your goals achieving dreaming big all of those things are so important for us as we become the humans that we want to be and they're so important for feeling passionate about our day to day and the way that we live in our lives that no one no one is worth not living a full passionate life. Right. But, but that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Especially if you have a codependent dynamic going on in your relationship or in your family. Um, And yes, that's absolutely its own, its own rabbit hole that would really be worth talking about because, because when I talk about these things with other um, women and men, their first thing is like, Oh, I don't, I don't know how my, my husband's going to feel about that. I don't know how my wife is going to feel about that. Like, I don't think they're going to want me to leave on a Saturday for training. I don't think they're going to want me to, um, it's, there's, there's a lot of discomfort there, right. For, for partners too, especially if partners don't understand it. Well, and it, you know, a lot of times these decisions are made on a drive to work or listening to a song like it's not happening while you're sitting right next to your spouse or your significant other so you know you've been how long have you been married now this year is 10 years yeah so you've been married long enough like this happens all the time in marriage like i have already worked something out whether it's like where we're staying on a camping trip or something has to do with business i've worked it out i've already decided in my head and then you know i bring it up to lauren and it's all new. And she's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on here? And I think that happens with goal setting. I know it happens with goal setting because I've I've seen it happen. I won't say hundreds of times, but a lot. It happens a lot. Um, so what are some what are some like early conversations that you can have? Because I think that's where this is leading a little bit. What are some early conversations you can have with the people around you to set yourself up for success when it comes to giving yourself the best chance to reach some of these goals that people set, you know? Yeah. So first it's really important to look at what, what is this goal going to require on a day-to-day from me? Then what is this goal going to require on a day-to-day from my partner or other people that I share responsibilities with? And 
to have those conversations around like, I'm going to need to train an hour a day every weekday and three hours on a Saturday and three hours on a Sunday. And will that work for you? Can you be supportive with me in this? Now, the important part of that is we cannot, what, what we can control is what we say, what we do, what our goals are, how authentically we want to live. We cannot control how other people feel about those goals. We can't control how they react. We can't control their attitudes. Is everyone on earth going to be really excited that you have decided to prioritize something for yourself? Probably not. Um, and and this goes to, to people's extended families. This goes to people's workplaces. A lot of people are affected and want that their priority to be your priority in life. And so knowing up front that not everyone's reaction is going to be positive and not everyone is going to have something nice to say about it and to be prepared for that. Um, the really powerful thing about taking a step like this for a big goal for yourself is that when you say, I'm taking this time for myself, I'm doing this, and you actually follow through on that, you give the people in your life permission to do the same. It's like, I, I mean, this has happened with me in my marriage so many times where I say, I'm prioritizing going away this weekend with my girlfriends because I need it. Yeah. And then he, and then he goes, wow, I would really like to do something like that. Why haven't I thought of that? Like, I'm going to do, going to do that. And then I get the chance to be supportive with him in return. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, sometimes people don't think about how to take care of themselves around big goals until they see someone else doing it. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Do you, do you think when you're, so what if you do have that big goal and and you say okay this is what I this is what I need to do to reach this goal and you know your support system is not on board with that like what's that's so hard but it happens man like what do you do then I can't relate yeah. me and my wife are like the same person not the same person but we she pushes me out the door to go for a run because she's like, ah, oh, you're looking like you might be a little, you know, like a little grumpy <laughs> there. And like, you can go do all the trips and girls trips she wants, even though she doesn't really. And I can go like, we don't, we're not each other's parent. It's not like that, you know? Um, and I, and I'm very grateful that we have that relationship. And I know a lot of people do not. So when you have this big dream, what are some things, what are some things that make sense to like get there? You know, I yeah, feel for people. I mean yeah, I mean, that's a bigger, that's a bigger, like, it, it's a bigger issue in marriages and in parenting. Um, and I mean, just in partnerships and in all kinds of relationships where, and friendships too, you know, I'm I, the, all of these kinds of changes affect your friendships too. It's like, um, because you're changing up the norm of that relationship and you're changing up the norm of the priorities. I think it's, I mean, I mean, you can tell me your opinion as a, as a happily married man, but for me, I think marriage and partnership is all about being able to change together. Like you, if you can't change together, if you can't grow together, if you can't, there's two different ways to go, right? Either you decide I'm going to live a limited life 
with limit fulfilling my limited potential because it's more comfortable for my partner and it works for to keep the status quo in my marriage that sounds disgusting but people do it all the time i know it just sounds so awful and maybe that's why we are happy like that that just sounds so rough to me man uh i think very yeah i think it's a really hard painful painful place to be in and sometimes people just have to get the right tools um or be ready to take action for themselves and sometimes people's partners really surprise them well and here's the thing too like we know from just so many studies like how important modeling is for your children versus words like that's just how kids learn that's how they see the world and I think it, I think it works really well with, with people in your circle too. Um, whether it's like, you know, if you're working like a traditional nine to five and, and, you know, whoever John comes in every day and he, he, his lunch break is like a really quick little snack and a three mile run outside. And like, you see him do that every day and, and eventually you're like, Oh, I didn't even know that was an opportunity. I didn't even know that opportunity was there for me. So then you're like, Hey, do you mind if I join, you know, like you see modeling happen in all relationships um, and I think sometimes so I was thinking about ways that, that have worked for me and that I've, I've worked with, uh, clients to get to certain goals is there's a few things that have really worked for me in business and in athletic stuff. As I've gotten older, one of them is like, whenever you have that goal, like just let it sit in your freaking heart for a while. Like you don't have to go tell everybody on social media, every friend that you know, that you're going to go run your 50 mile or you're going to go climb a mountain, whatever it is until you are completely committed to it i think you got to keep it in there because we get from a nervous system standpoint like we get a huge rush just by talking about big goals and if you go get the big rush just by talking about it then when you start doing the work uh i don't know it makes the work seem a lot harder so i think just keeping that fire in your in your in your gut a little bit is really important it's helped for me uh, on projects it makes getting the work done the thing instead of talking about the work or the goal of the thing is really important and then finding real accountability. So you have all these people with becoming older who t- shout from the rooftops that they're going to go run their first ultra ever. And it's the complete opposite, but we have legitimate accountability built in. We have coaches that are working with them. We have teammates and we have a community around them. That's going to watch their Strava every other day that, and, and they're going to know that people are watching them. So like having true accountability set up, if you aren't able to keep it to yourself is, is huge. Um, and I think just taking small steps, you know, like why are we so obsessed with starting on Mondays, starting on January 1st, starting on February 1st, I think just starting the process early on, like me and me and you are a great example. We didn't even know each other. We, we didn't know we were going to both stop drinking for a while. And we just started talking. I was like, Oh, what? me and Lauren just happened. Like we're not drinking for a while either. And it was on like a random day in November. It wasn't like a Monday, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think getting rid of some of that formality and how we set goals is is huge. Cause at the end of the day, we're trying to change behavior and behavioral change doesn't stop because our behavioral change doesn't happen because you say it happens. It happens because you do it day after day after day. There's just long processes in this stuff. So I think that stuff helps the modeling and the keeping it to yourself a little bit. And it helps, you know, it helps inspire people around you to maybe come around instead of just having arguments about what your goal is. Like just, just do the stuff and see if it affects the, the relationship early on. Like there's sacrifices that have to be made you with your, I mean, I've seen when you run, I run when I'm training for long stuff, my ass is out the door at like three 30 in the morning and I'm back by breakfast. Like 
that's a non-negotiable. It's not my, it's not my boy's fault that I want to go run 50 miles in, in a couple months. So I'm not going to see them less because of it. So there's just, there's just thoughts that come through. And um, I think people are going to be able to relate. Just, I think just knowing that a lot of people have, have a hard time bringing their, their support system with them on these big goals. That might be the biggest takeaway for anyone on a call like this, just knowing that it's normal. Like it happens a lot, you know? Absolutely. It definitely, it happens all the time. And um, yeah, and it's, it can be a challenge just to, to let our, our partners, like for me, you know, as a, as a woman and a wife, and I was, I was raised in a very codependent family and dynamic. I felt like it was my job to make my husband happy, to make my husband fulfilled. I felt like it was my job to make my kids, to be the person making everyone happy all the time, doing all the things, stretching myself beyond everything to make everyone happy. Um, And it took me a long time and a lot of years and a lot of personal work to understand what was my responsibility and what wasn't. But if, if codependency is an issue in your family or in your marriage, it can take some, some discomfort going, okay, he's not really happy with me right now because he wants me to be doing a, B and C and instead I'm on a run. Um, I have to live with that a little bit, right? I have to live with uh, making sure I have a solid support system for myself. And, and in my marriage, you know, my husband has always come around to rallying me um, a, a million percent and being that awesome support for me and, and gone on his own journey of change and growth and, um, that inspires me. And I'm so grateful for that, but that's not the situation for everybody, but we definitely had times where I was like, I had to like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I don't think he's very happy with this. I think he's annoyed. I think he wants me to be making dinner for the kids. Like I have every single night of our marriage. Right. Um, so some of that is discomfort of just the discomfort of change. Um, I mean, I wanted to mention like, so if you look at a cognitive behavioral therapy model, it's like one of the biggest models in therapy. It's one of the most evidence-based that we have a lot of research on in, in therapy, but not just therapy change in humans. Right. So if we were looking at like a triangle and I just, I just always envision a triangle and we've got behavior in one, we've got thoughts in another, and we've got feelings in another. And these are interactive. They, so if we change a thought, if we change the way we're thinking, subsequently our feelings and behaviors change. If we change a behavior, our thoughts and feelings then will change. Now, different people, depending on how you're wired, can easily act more easily access change through one of these. Some people are action people. As soon as they get going with something with their body, they're like, oh, I feel so much better. I feel positive. I think positive. I'm I'm totally a thoughts person. I'm a head person. If I can get my head around it, I can change anything. If I can understand, you know, that's and that's how I went through the process of deciding to quit drinking. Um, I read like four books on not drinking 
and it totally changed my brain, totally changed what I wanted to do. I changed my behavior, changed my feelings about it. I don't, I can't even imagine wanting to drink. That's what works for me, but it's really good to know if you're more in touch with your feelings, if feelings are something in your body that you can feel really easily and you can tune into that and you're really into yoga and mindfulness, deep breathing, um, then starting with your feelings is might be the easiest way for you to tap into changing your behavior and your thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I love it. No, it's like <laughs> I always, there's this, well, you know, I'm definitely a thoughts or behavior person. You probably already know that. Uh, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of guys are, it's probably pretty normal, but I think mm-hmm. just understanding how to, to control change in your head and in your day to day, just being able to put words to some of these concepts is huge. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Like behavioral change might start, start from behavior and you're, maybe you're disciplined enough to do that. And when, when that behavior does change, then your thoughts and feelings change along with it. Um, yeah, I like that. I think that's a really good, a really good construct to, go back to when you're trying to say, okay, how, how do I get from A to B based on where I'm at today? It's not going to be from diving into feelings because that's not how I roll. So maybe, maybe it's educating myself and the education is going to change my thoughts, which will actually be the impetus to change behavior. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. And you could rotate, you can kind of rotate depending on your mood, depending on your phase of life one might be easier to access first than the other. Like, you know, I've had phases of life where it was easier for me to start to just put my shoes on, to start to change my clothes and to walk out the door and pretend I wasn't going on a run until I was running because I could not get my head in the game. I could not. There was no part of my brain that wanted to run. And then once my body was doing it, my head finally clicked into it. Um, So depending on what it is and what, where your resistance is coming from. And, and that's something to kind of, that comes with that self-awareness and that language. Where is my resistance coming from here? Like, is this all in my head or does my body feel kind of tired right now or groggy or slow? Or is this coming from my feelings because I'm still thinking about what happened yesterday at work that really um, was devastating and I'm feeling the heaviness and grief of that, you know, figuring out where it's coming from can help you know which part you need to change to implement action. Oh, I love it. No, I think it's a great spot. It's it's a great spot to stop today because I I have all these notes and I just put numbers by them and we've talked about all these different concepts, but it's just get to get people to think a little bit differently about goal setting. And we'll def we'll be diving into goal setting a lot uh, on the show and just as part of what we're, what we're working on. But I mean, there's things that we could do whole shows on that, but to dive in on like codependence, like defining it for people and making them understand. Cause it's a huge issue for inner interpersonal relationships. And especially when you're talking about goal setting, um, getting out of a, a certain uh, routine is crazy for, for people who struggle with that. CBT diving into cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy. I think just I think we've all heard of it, um, but really understanding what the goals are for that for that style. I think changing your environment, macro versus micro environment. I, that's something that I talk about with athletes a lot. Um, that's a big dive, and uh, yeah, the big takeaway today for for me from what you're saying is like before you set a goal, what is this going to what what what's going to take. What, what what is the effort that I have to put in? And then what is the effort that my significant other or family or 
support system has to put in? I think those are great questions. So hell yeah, dude, we got, we got into some deep stuff today. I, I think ending up, we, we had a question from a listener. The question was generally, uh, just to paraphrase, how do we help our kids deal with loss and setbacks and competition? Um, that, that could be potentially a whole episode. We both know that just right off the bat, but let's give people a couple of things to think about when it comes to you. Well, I'll go first since I'm the, the non-therapy professional, and then you can go second since you're the therapy professional. My, my first one is, uh, let them fail, let, let them fail and, and, and know that it's okay. And I think failing in front of your kids, there's plenty of ways that we all fail, um, whether it's in a game or a board game or, you know, and, and sharing some of those failures if your kid's are old enough uh, to show them that it's okay. You come out on the other side, like you're learn. the whole goal of failure is to learn something anyway. Um, I think that's always been really important with my kids. And I, I, I give them things that I know they're not going to be able to do well. And I do that on purpose. Um, living out in the country, there's a lot of opportunity for things that they're not going to do well or that they're going to have to see through to the end um, that we couldn't do other places we've lived. So I've, I've been kind of going down that road. So those are a couple of things I was thinking about when, when you asked that questions, that question earlier that somebody had, but what, what would your professional feedback be on that? I think that's really, that's great. And that's so important to, to let, to let our kids fail, to literally let them fall down and pick themselves back up in depending on, depending on what sport we're playing here. Um, but to, to model and to, with your language, show them, this is what you're doing. It's not who you are. This is what I'm doing. It's not who I am. You are playing soccer. You are trying very hard. Your trying is what, is what I, you know, is what we want to see as parents is what we want to see as humans trying hard giving it our best, being able to have fun and know that we can't control the outcome. When kids get very, very overwhelmed by defeat and by loss in a sport, typically somehow that sport and that performance has become interconnected with their identities, with with them feeling good enough, with them feeling okay. And and sometimes you can see, you know, you've got the parent on the sideline screaming, swearing at their kid, telling them like, what are they, what are they thinking out there? Um, that's an obvious connection to why the kid's self-identity yeah. and self-worth is tied up with it. But, but the, the, these questions came from really loving, really proactive um, parents who want to see their kids come out the other side stronger. And I think most parents are that way. Most parents just don't know always how to react or respond in the moment. All the language around um, self-worth, like let's say a kid just lost a soccer game because they missed the shot. They missed the shot at the very, like they had this perfect shot. They missed it. The goalie wasn't even standing nearby. They totally missed it the game's over. They, they lost the game for their team. And to have language around you tried so hard. If you hadn't been playing, you wouldn't have even had a chance to take that shot. Kids a lot of times are like, yeah, but if I had, um, 
so-and-so on the team is so much better than me and they would have made the shot. And what was I thinking? And why did I do that? And to let them sit a little bit in that discomfort. And then to say, you're so brave, you're out there, you're trying, you're so strong. The trying is what makes you strong. The trying is what makes you brave. You getting back out there on the field and trying again, is the hardest part. And that's what you keep doing. And I'm so proud of you for how hard you try and how hard you work, you know, to, to glorify the effort and not the outcome. And we can do that as parents all in every way, right? Asking our kids to clear the table or shovel the shovel, the back porch um, to say, wow, you tried really hard. I'm really proud of you. Instead of saying like, Oh, you left that there. Like what's wrong with you? Right. That language. I I like to say a parent's voice and words to a kid becomes their inner voice. Yeah. And I think that that is really true. That's really good. Um, If you, and if you can tune into your own inner voice, I guarantee you're going to hear a mom's, your mom's voice or your dad's voice. And you'll be able to tell, you know, kind of where that's coming from. And, and that impacts us our whole lives. So just to be really conscientious of what you're saying to your kids, because that's what they're going to be saying to themselves for the rest of their lives. Um, Love it. Yeah. I think focusing on effort over results in sport is so important because look, parents, if you are the parent screaming at your kid at a team sporting event and I'm there, uh, I'm not going to say we're throwing down, but you're going to hear from me, first of all. Second of all, and I'm not built like an old runner, by the way. Wink, wink. Um, Second of all, you just see it so much, like focusing on a win of a 13-year-old kid on a Tuesday night does not matter. And whatever words you're giving those kids in those moments is what's going to stick, like you said. I think that parents' words to kids become their inner voice. That's so freaking powerful. That should definitely be on some of the socials. And it's funny, like, we only have another minute or two here, but there's something I heard years ago. I haven't, I have not read anything on parenting and I've, I've done that on purpose. Cause I kind of like, I like me and my wife's take on how we do do life. And I don't want, I don't want to be too skewed. And I, I do that with business stuff all the time. And uh, the reason is cause I want to learn some of the stuff on my own too. And it's like, there's this one thing I, I, I heard a long time ago and it's like, you don't, you don't tell kids they're smart. You tell them they worked hard on their, studies you don't tell them that they're pretty you tell them that you're proud of them for taking care of themselves and for brushing their teeth and and taking a shower diligently you do not focus on things that they haven't worked on to be where they are like nobody worked on their looks like it however we came out we came out um there are really smart like my kids i think they they seem pretty smart i don't ever tell them how smart they are i tell them how proud i am that they worked hard to get a good grade or whatever it is and i think when you do that, they focus on process over outcome and it probably is going to build some good work ethic and good coping skills. And these little dudes when it comes down to it. So great conversation, like me and Evangeline, like when we're offline, like we both say, we don't, we, we don't have it all figured out. We're just, we're taking our experiences and, and work and life and our careers and we're passing it on to you guys. So hopefully some of this stuff helps out a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think that, what you were just now saying was connecting back with me to what we were talking about earlier about control, about how important it is for us as parents and as humans to talk about 
and focus on what we can control and not what we cannot control. We cannot control whether or not we, our whole team wins or loses a game. We cannot control the mistakes that we're going to make. We cannot control. There's so much we can, cannot control. If we, and to praise our kids for the things that they're really working hard at to control for their own self-regulation, their own discipline, their own behavior. Those are the things we want to really point out as, as effort and um, value of their character. Love it. Love it. All right, Evangeline Willrod. Uh, I will never do that again. I won't have to do that again. Uh, yeah, let's hop off a little bit. Thank you guys for listening. I ho- hopefully some of the stuff is helping. If if like these conversations bring up questions that you have about your parenting or your co- competition or your goal setting, just shoot them on over to us. We'll, we'll get to everybody um, everybody's questions eventually. Vertical Minds Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we'll be ramping those efforts up here as well. But thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Evangeline. Thanks.